Welcome to the Reasonable Theology Podcast, where we present sound doctrine in plain language. We're here to help you better understand, articulate, and live out the fullness of the Christian faith. And now, here's your host, Clay Craby. So what should we do when where we are is not where we expected or wanted to be? How do we react when God has placed us in a circumstance, in a situation that is very different than what we would have planned or what we would have hoped for? What are we supposed to do when God's timing is different than our own timing? Well, these are common experiences in the Christian life, and we're all going to encounter this at one time or another, either for a short season or perhaps for so long a time that it seems your situation will be permanent. And those times can be very discouraging. They can be very disorienting for us. But what happens to us in this life is not nearly as important as how we respond to what happens to us. And Scripture is clear that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, the task of the Christian remains the same, to obey and to serve the Lord, to do the Lord's work with all of our ability. We're not to give up. We're not to retreat into ourselves. We're not to walk away from our Christian duty or to sit on the sidelines until God decides to align His plans with our plans. Because no matter where God has brought us, We are to serve him wholeheartedly. To spiritualize a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, we are to do what you can with what you've got where you are. And there are many people in church history that we can look to for an example of this mindset. As a Baptist preacher in England, John Bunyan was arrested for preaching the gospel without a license from the king. And when he refused to stop preaching the gospel, he was jailed on two different occasions, the longest stretch being for over 12 years. At the time, he described parting from his wife and children as the pulling the flesh from the bones. I saw I was a man who was pulling down his house upon the head of his wife and children. But he did not let despair of his situation serve as an excuse to just sit idly in jail, to see that he was just removed from Christian service and and just bide his time. During his imprisonment, he wrote many books, including The Holy City, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, and of course, the most famous one that he wrote, and one of the most famous books of all time, Pilgrim's Progress, which continues to encourage and strengthen believers today. Fannie Mae Crosby, she was blinded as a baby when treated for an illness by a man who was pretending to be a doctor and then left town. But she counted her blindness as a blessing. She would write over 8,000 hymns in her lifetime, including All the Way My Savior Leads Me and To God Be the Glory and Blessed Assurance, which we just sang a moment ago. While serving the Lord in India 
Amy Carmichael, as a missionary, she accidentally fell into an open pit. She would spend the rest of her life, decades of her life, nearly bedridden. But even so, she continued her work in running a foundation that rescued women and girls from abuse. And she too wrote many books. She wrote over 16 books. And of course, there are many examples that we could look to in Scripture of those who served God despite the difficult circumstances they found themselves in. And this morning, we're going to see how the Apostle Paul responded when God's timing and God's plans were different than his own. Although although Paul had longed to serve God by visiting the believers in Rome, he had this eager desire to go to Rome for many years, he was long delayed in that. And when he was finally able to be with them, it looked much different than what Paul would have hoped for. And yet, Paul continued to labor for the Lord, even in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of disappointment. We're going to look not only at our own passage in Romans 15 this morning, we're also going to look elsewhere in the New Testament to see how Paul's planned trip to Rome that he speaks of here in our passage, how that actually turned out, and how God used Paul through those difficult circumstances to even greater fruitfulness than what might have otherwise taken place. And I trust the application of these truths will be readily apparent to each of us here this morning because we all encounter circumstances, both in our personal lives, in our nation, in the life of the church, that look differently than what we would have anticipated. And so our main point for our passage this morning is that no matter where God has brought us or when he brings us there, our task remains the same to do the work that God has called us to do. And we are all called to do the work of the Lord. We're all called to obey His commands. We're all called to further His kingdom. Earlier in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, verse 11, Paul said, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Each of us are to be doing the Lord's work. We're to use our time, our abilities, and our resources to serve Him above all else. And this morning we are going to see that this work is to be done in the Lord's timing and in the Lord's way. Let's look first at how this is to be done in the Lord's timing. And we're going to read our passage, Romans chapter 15. We'll be looking at verses 22 to 29. If you're using one of the the pew Bibles in front of you, you'll find that on page 950. Romans 15, 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have long hoped 
Sorry, since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings. They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. It was Paul's deep desire to be with these believers in Rome. We see in verse 22 that he had so often been hindered from going to them. This word hindered, it's actually a a military term that Paul is using here for when a trench would be dug or obstacles would be put in the way of an enemy in order to frustrate their progress and delay them from their intended goal. Paul's plans to visit Jerusalem, uh, to visit Rome after going to Jerusalem, rather, had been frustrated at various times, as it was not yet God's timing. And so his longing to be with them only increased. In his letter, Paul takes several opportunities to share how he has long desired to get to Rome. If you remember, this is not a church that Paul founded. In fact, it's not one that he had yet personally visited. In verse 23 in our passage, he says, I have longed for many years to come to you. Back all the way in chapter 1, verses 9 to 15, we read, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul longed to go to Rome. So don't take the phrase in verse 24 that he hopes to see them in passing as I go to Spain. Don't take that to mean that Paul was simply going to wave as he walked by. He very much wanted to stay with them. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to bless and be blessed by them. It was Paul's desire to be in Rome. But while various obstacles may have hindered Paul's eager desire to to go to Rome, these things, this delay, was not a hindrance to the plans and to the purposes of God. Because Paul didn't just sit patiently on a bench waiting for his preferences to come to pass. 
While he waited on the Lord, Paul was busy working for the Lord. As the maps in the back of your Bible and as the previous passage we saw last week can attest, from Jerusalem and all the way around Illyricum, Paul had fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He had been preaching Christ where he had not yet been named. This is the reason, Paul says, that he has been hindered from coming to the Romans in person. There was a purpose behind Paul's need for patience. The Lord had other work for him to do. And so diligent had Paul been in those labors, it seems he's run out of opportunities for preaching Christ to the unreached people in those areas. In verse 23, he says, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Not that everyone had become a Christian, but we saw, as Eric preached last week, that Paul's missionary journeys, his intended ministry work was to preach Christ where he had not been named, establish the foundation of churches, and go on for others to build upon that foundation. And so diligent had he been, there was no longer any room for such work in those regions. So much had been accomplished while Paul was waiting. The gospel had been preached. Sinners had been converted. Churches had been established. Workers had been sent out. So what was a hindrance to Paul's travel plans proved to be a great help to many. And not only a great help to many in Paul's day, it is a great help for us as well. What if Paul had been able to visit Rome earlier? Well, perhaps he would have not had the occasion or the need to write this rich theological text that we know as the book of Romans. Maybe in between the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians, all you find in your Bibles would have been a nice thank you note from Paul to the Romans for such a lovely time that he had with them. But because he had to wait, he had to write. And we have benefited these many weeks as a church, even in our own day, by studying what he wrote to that church in Rome so long ago. But now it appeared, and Paul hoped, that he would finally get to Rome. But he was not going to Rome to stay, was he? Look at verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul's ambitions were to continue to spread the gospel of Christ among the Gentile nations where he had not yet been named and the apostle had set his sights on Spain, known elsewhere in Scripture as Tarshish. So if you think of Jonah, Paul had more work to do. So he intended to go to Rome, but not to stay. And he intended to go to Rome, but not quite yet. Look with me at verses 25 to 28. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way 
of you. God still had another task for Paul before he could go, which was to bring an offering from the Gentile churches to the believers in Jerusalem who were in need. There was actually a famine famine at this time in Jerusalem, so it is likely that the result of that famine was many poor and hungry Christians in and around Jerusalem. And Macedonia in the northernmost region of Greece, that included Philippi, and the region of Achaia, this would include Sparta and Athens and Corinth. These churches that Paul had been to, ministered to, and wrote to, you can read about these collections in the book of 1 Corinthians, they had gathered a contribution, a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. And even though that such a trip would take Paul thousands of miles out of his way, it's literally in the opposite direction of where he is writing, where he would go north to Rome. Instead, he's going to go south and eastward towards Israel. It's going to add thousands of miles to his journey. Paul felt compelled. He felt called by God to accomplish this task before setting off to Rome. Because this contribution would give the Gentiles an opportunity to show love to the Jewish Christians, perhaps strengthen their unity in doing so. We read in previous weeks the tensions that existed between the Gentile Christians and the formerly Jewish Christians. And as Paul noted, they owed them this blessing. They have been grafted into the spiritual blessings of the Jewish people. They too ought to look after their material well-being. And so Paul collected this offering, this contribution to the saints in need, and he was going to bring it to Jerusalem before continuing to Rome and before continuing on to Spain. Paul was a workhorse for the proclamation of the gospel and for the building up of Christ's church. Although he was in a holding pattern in terms of his own desire to go to Rome, Paul was hard at work for the Lord, doing everything he could with whatever he had, wherever he was. Paul had to wait before he was able to go to Rome, and and while he waited on the Lord, he was busy at work for the Lord. And you too might have a desire for something, but have not yet been able to obtain it. Or you have a strong desire to get to a certain place in life, whether that be spiritually or relationally, perhaps geographically or vocationally, whatever it may be, oftentimes we have to wait on the Lord. And so you're waiting this morning. But don't be discouraged. Ask yourself this, what does the Lord have for me to accomplish while I am waiting? And then get busy doing the work of the Lord. Paul knew well that the Lord's work needed to be done in the Lord's timing, and so that prevented a great deal of discouragement. So he did not drag his feet, he did not sit on the sidelines, but rather he kept on working while he waited. And Paul didn't know it yet, but his years-long wait to go to Rome would be postponed several years more for reasons that we'll look at next. 
For the Lord's work is not only to be done in the Lord's timing, it is also to be done in the Lord's way. The Lord's work is to be done in the Lord's way. Although Paul's plans were delayed from what he would have desired, he still had plans to go. It's good to make plans. We just want to hold those things loosely and be submissive to God's will. In our passage, Paul describes his intended itinerary. He was going to go to Jerusalem and bring this aid to the believers there that had been collected from the Gentile churches. Then he would visit Rome to enjoy their company for a while, as he writes, be helped on them, by them on his journey to Spain, where he would continue to proclaim Christ where he had not yet been named. And, and this, sounds, this sounds like a great plan to me. It sounds like something that would serve Christ well and further his kingdom. And he does intend to make his long-awaited trip to Rome. And, and when he does, he says he knows that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. But not only would Paul's journey to Rome take far longer than what he intended, the manner in which he would arrive in Rome would be far different than what he intended. When we look outside of our text in the passage of Romans and we consider the rest of the New Testament record, we learn the means by which God would bring Paul finally to Rome. Not as a passing minister, but as an imprisoned one. When we read the book of Acts, we see that Paul did have some notion of the difficulties which would await him in Jerusalem. In Acts 20, verses 22 to 23, we read, And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen in his journey to Jerusalem, but he knew by the Spirit and by past experience that difficulties awaited him wherever he went. And this would become more clear by the words of a prophet that he encountered. Acts 21, verses 10 to 14, While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt, and he bound his own feet and hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. And indeed, after arriving in Jerusalem, the Jews, they stirred up trouble in the temple. They accused Paul of all these things, and Paul was arrested by the Romans. And when it became known that Paul was a Roman citizen, and when it became known, actually through uh, Paul's nephew came 
and, and found this out, that there was a plot by the Jews to assassinate him. The Roman tribune, he sent Paul in the dark of night to Caesarea, escorted by 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to appear before the governor there. Clearly, Paul was in no small amount of danger. And after arriving, Paul would spend much time with Governor Felix. You read about this in Acts chapter 24. In fact, Paul would be under guard in Caesarea for two years. And when Felix was succeeded by Festus, we read that desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. After hearing from Paul, Festus, also wanting to do the Jews a favor, he suggested sending Paul back to Jerusalem. Well, knowing that this would almost certainly mean the end of his ministry, not to mention the end of his life, Paul was very uninterested in that option. We learn in Acts chapter 25, verses 10 to 12, Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself very well know. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. After further conversations with Festus and and also with King Agrippa, you remember that conversation where after he presented his case, Agrippa commented to Festus that if he had not appealed to Caesar, this man could have been set free. Well, Paul was sent to Rome to bring his case before Caesar, as was his right as a Roman citizen. And though he would finally be on his way to Rome, chapters 27 and 28 of Acts reveal that this trip would not be an easy one. He would face a violent storm at sea, a shipwreck, three months stranded on the island of Malta before finally arriving at Rome. What Paul had longed for so many years had finally arrived. He was in Rome, but he arrived in Rome as a prisoner, and he would remain a prisoner for two long years. And while, no, he was not in a dungeon the way he would be towards the end of his life when he's stuck in the Mamertine prison, which is essentially just a well, a pit that he is sunk into, while it wasn't a dungeon or, or a prison we might picture in our minds, he was under house arrest with a Roman soldier guarding him. He was not free to come and go and to minister in the manner in which he had hoped. So what's Paul supposed to do now? Clearly, his plans had been frustrated yet again. He finally made it to Rome, but his circumstances were vastly different than what he would have hoped for. Could any of us blame Paul for taking this as a sign from God that he should just maybe sit this one out? Can any of us honestly say that if after attempt, after attempt, after attempt to do something for the Lord 
and it continued to not come to pass. And finally, we're literally arrested and put in chains and told to sit over there in that room that we probably wouldn't just sit over there in that room and kind of bemoan our misfortune. Do you feel like maybe Paul had an excuse to sit out from service to the Lord when things seem to be going so poorly and doors seem to shut, to slam shut left and right? Well, as you will have already gathered from your knowledge of Scripture, Paul did not take this as an opportunity to throw himself a pity party or to give up on fulfilling his duties or to be content with those other Christians who happen to not be incarcerated to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. He continued to do the work of the Lord. The book of Acts closes by telling us he lived there two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul knew that he must be about his master's business, even if the way in which he would be able to work looked very different than what he had hoped for. And we all need to know that, not only for circumstances changing in our own lives. Pay attention to the world around you, Christian. Look to the north just a few miles to see what's taking place at churches at this very moment. There are churches in the nation of Canada meeting underground right now. There are pastors in London being arrested and put in jail. There are churches being chained up and the doors locked and people guarding them so people may not enter in. We are headed for a time in which passages such as this may mean more to us than we could ever have imagined they would in our lifetimes. Yet no matter what happens to us, how we respond to what happens to us is of vital importance. And we can take a note from the Apostle Paul that he continued to do the work of the Lord even in chains. And so thanks to some of the privileges granted to him by his guards, he was able to receive visitors and continue to preach Christ and him crucified to all who came to him. He also wrote letters to encourage and equip many other churches. The letters of Ephesians, and Philippians, and Colossians, and Philemon, these were all written during this Roman imprisonment. And so they are known as the prison epistles. John Bunyan, whom I spoke of earlier, he took the same approach during his imprisonment. We saw his, his heart-wrenching reaction to being imprisoned, how it was as the flesh being torn from his bones as he thought of his wife and his poor blind daughter without their father. But he also said this, I have been away from my writing for too long. Maybe this is not so much a prison as an office from which I can reach the world with Christ's message. That is so much more than a looking at the glass half full or look at the bright side kind of attitude. This is a steadfast commitment to serve the Lord Jesus Christ no matter the circumstances, no matter the challenges that we find ourselves in. He knew and trusted the providential hand of God, so he was not 
defeated or distraught by his circumstances. So too the Apostle Paul was able to continue working for the Lord even as an ambassador in chains. And in these prison epistles, we learn much about the fruitfulness of Paul's time as a prisoner of Rome. As Paul assured the Philippians, he wrote to them, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Why why is this message going throughout the whole imperial guard? Well, if someone was under house arrest, the Roman practice was that they would literally be chained to a guard at all times. So whether Paul was receiving and speaking with other believers or other people, or he was speaking to them, he had this literal captive audience that would hear the gospel over and over and over again. Despite his imprisonment, the gospel was being advanced. His guards and all the rest saw that his imprisonment was for Christ. And the Christians in Rome were encouraged. They were inspired by Paul also to become more bold to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul's faithful service in less than ideal circumstances prompted greater faithfulness in others. And so can yours. When Paul closed his letter to the Philippians which he wrote under house arrest in Rome. He said this, he said, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, while this phrase does not indicate necessarily members of the royal family, it does refer to those who serve Caesar closely like government officials and palace servants and and the praetorium guard that watched over Paul. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. What a remarkable turn of events. Could this have come to pass if Paul had merely seen the Christians in Rome in passing and, and gone on to Spain? What work might have been accomplished that we do not have recorded in Scripture by these Christians who were encouraged by Paul's faithfulness in prison and then went out and did the work of the Lord themselves to greater fruitfulness? Because of this, Paul was delivered from the hands of the Jews in Jerusalem who would have killed him. He was enabled to write several epistles, which we have as Scripture today, He was able to preach the gospel to unbelievers in Rome. He was able to bring his message before uh, Agrippa and Festus and Felix. He was able to convert those near the highest echelons of power. And as best we can tell, he was able to eventually bring his case and therefore his gospel to Caesar himself. Although we don't have that encounter recorded for us in Scripture, when Paul was on that ill-fated voyage... 
to Rome, and he was in that ship that was being ripped apart by the wind and the waves. An angel said to Paul, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And so it is safe to assume that that encounter eventually did take place. And between his arrival in Rome and his appearance before Caesar, Paul was hard at work and his ministry was fruitful. So when Paul had said back in verse 29 of Romans 15, before all this had taken place, that did not prove untrue. Paul had said, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul did come to Rome in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Because Paul knew better than to take that as meaning that he would be in comfort and being able to do what he wanted to do. Paul understood that the fullness of the blessing of Christ means that he would be able to be fruitful in blessing others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this very much did come to pass. Oh, for a faith and a trust in God's providence that realizes that even when things are difficult, even when things turn out differently than what we'd hoped, that we are not necessarily outside of the blessing of Christ. The place to which God has brought you may bring greater blessings than you could ever have imagined far greater than what your own plans and your own timing could have brought. Stay faithful and obedient to the work that you have been called to as a follower of Jesus. And watch as Christ blesses your efforts in ways that you could never have anticipated and in ways that are far greater that could have come about from your own plans. Maybe you don't understand exactly why God has you where he has you right now. In your work, in your health, in your relationships, your your ministry opportunities, or, or some other area of your life. That's okay. Roll up your sleeves. Get to work until he sees fit to bring you somewhere else. And in his own timing and his own way, brings you there. Recognize that the circumstances of life, those hindrances, those obstacles, those challenges that we face, they may prevent us from doing the work that we would have hoped to the extent that we would have hoped. Certainly, Paul, or you look at John Bunyan, or those that are literally in chains, they could not go and do. And so maybe, maybe your chains are, are not physical in that sense, but they are very real with, with health or other circumstances that prevent you from doing what you would like to do, doing where your greatest gifting is, perhaps even. But yet we can all do something for the Lord. We can write a note of encouragement, give a call, check on a neighbor, lead others through understanding Scripture better, be in prayer constantly for others and let them know that you're in prayer for them. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, there is always work to be done and there is always work that God has equipped you to do. You may not be where you thought you would be or in a position to do what you'd like to be able to do. 
You may even feel hindered from serving the Lord in some particular way that you aspire to. Well, don't be discouraged. Be faithful where you are today. Let the Lord worry about the Lord's timing and the Lord's way. You just make sure that you're about the Lord's work no matter what situation you find yourself in. We actually don't know if the Apostle Paul ever made it to Spain. Early church tradition, the writings of Clement and Eusebius and others indicate that he was released from this Roman imprisonment and he was able to continue his ministry for a time before being arrested again and and eventually beheaded. The the non-canonical book of 1 Clement, you can find that online or in a library. It's an early church father. He writes that, that Paul went to the furthest reaches of the West, which is a phrase indicating Spain. But we can't be certain of those details. But what we can be certain of is this. In Paul, we have an example of one who lived a life of joyful obedience and was always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let us go and do likewise. Brothers and sisters, you might find yourself right now in a place or in a circumstance that you didn't expect and quite frankly, you do not want to be in. Even so, determine to keep on serving and working for the Lord. Do not underestimate the power of simple obedience in the midst of what we see as less than ideal circumstances. Resolve to do what you can with what you have where you are. And no matter where God takes you or how long it takes to bring you there, you too can know that you will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Reasonable Theology Podcast. Be sure to visit reasonabletheology.org for more helpful resources on understanding, articulating, and living out the Christian faith. In addition to the show notes for this episode, you'll find articles, videos, book reviews, and much more. That's reasonabletheology.org.